between 18 and 72. And I remember one woman got up and she said, I'm doing it for the second time. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, are you serious? Why would you do that? A lot of travelling solo um, back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really yeah. pleased to know that things have evolved since then. I, I was probably wasn't the thing that's so emotional is when you're doing the walk and you're going to San Diego is everybody's a part of that. Everyone's urging each other on supporting. I'll meet you in the lobby podcast with your host, Jacinta Phelan. Hello and welcome to I'll Meet You in the Lobby. I'm Jacinta Phelan and we have a lovely guest here today. Very excited about this guest. Her name is Glenice Johnson from Wandering the World. Wandering the World is all about travelling uh, the Camino, some different trails around the world, uh, Japan. Um, it's a very interesting uh, business actually and I'm very excited to be speaking to Glenice today about this um, because it is on my bucket list to do the Camino in um, Santiago yeah. and uh, I would like to introduce you to Glenice Johnson. Welcome Glenice. Oh thanks Jack and I'm pleased to hear it's on the bucket list, the Camino. Uh, we'll have to get you there sooner rather than later. Absolutely, it's yeah. actually, um, it's, it's been on my bucket list for a couple of years and wow. it's just a matter of you know getting there and, and doing it. But um, So Glenice, you are the co-founder of Wandering the World. Tell us about Wandering the World. Thanks, Jack. Um, well, it's actually a bit of a dream come true, actually. Um, walking the Camino, fell in love with it, thought, thought about more walking, less working, sharing what I love, and then started to offer trips for people to come along so that I could escort people into Santiago. And so the first night of my first trip, somebody said, where are we going next? So I thought, OK, we'll add Italy, uh, uh, the UK, Japan, other destinations that, that I love and be able to share that experience. But we also then thought, well, hang on, not everyone wants to travel with me, so what about the self-guided stuff so I can give my expertise, my knowledge and apply that and give people um, the experience of a lifetime just by, by simply arranging all of their, their trips. We'd love to know a little bit about you. I know you're a Warrnambool girl. I am. Originally. So yeah. tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Um, well, I actually, well, growing up in Warrnambool, a small country town as it was then, I uh, followed my parents' footsteps of working in the local factory, uh -huh. Nestles, or Nestle as it's known today, uh, throwing coffee jars into a box. Um, so I left school at 15 thinking that that would be a great job for life. And uh, after about eight years, when I turned 23, I had a friend that lived in the same street who said she was off to travel. I thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I flew the nest, I guess, um, I felt a bit scary. I remember when I got onto the aircraft, I wish I could have got off it. I thought, what am I doing? Uh, taking a year out as, it, as I thought it would be a year to go and explore the world. And I had uh, a travel agent that probably could have done a little bit better job with us uh, back then who sent us to Japan first. <laughs> and of all places, uh, nobody in Japan spoke English. I didn't feel in 1986. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, that was the, the start of the travelling career. For you, what was the turning point with this walking the Camino, was that the first sort of hike you had actually been on with um, in your travels? Did you do that on, on the first, like yeah. the first time you travelled? Was that the first time you had sort of come across the Camino? Or Camino was actually a really nice accident um, that's obviously been now very life-changing. So I'd done um, quite a few walks in Europe, right. uh, was very active as a sport as a kid and did right. a lot of walking in Australia. But just when I say walking, I mean along the beach and things like that, you know, 5, 10k or something like that. Nothing as, I guess, formal as uh, the walking on the Camino. So what actually happened was my partner Dawn had said we were, um, because we were going to live in Spain for six months right. and take our long service leave and see where that led um, in terms of the future 
um, from there. And she said, look, how about we do a week of the Camino? And I said, well, how far is this Camino? And she said, oh, it's about 800 kilometres. I said, well, we may as well do the whole lot. And so away we went. All the training was also a critical part of it um, for the enjoyment. How long did you have to train for? Well, we probably trained for about uh, three months or so. Uh, We would get out, well, not just in Australia, but also in Spain because we've arrived there a few months before we actually started walking. Right. And um, that was that was an important part for the enjoyment of not getting blisters and those types of things and looking after your body and understanding how you're going to cope with an 800-kilometre walk. Walk, Yes, but it was around about, I can still see the the point where we got to the 570-kilometre mark where... I just felt really confident then that we would make the 800 kilometres. I think you always have a little few seeds of doubt, although I did sort of say to people I'd rather die in the Camino than not finish it. Yeah, um, yeah. But when I saw that sign, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I want to do more walking, less working, and share what I love. And then I started thinking about how that was that would be possible. So at what point in your career was this? Uh, so I was... Um, so this was uh, six years ago. So I spent 15 years at that stage working in the travel industry. Okay. And that was just so eye-opening and so, you know so many opportunities travel to all seven continents you know 100 odd countries so yeah so that's how you sort of came across the Camino obviously in, in the whilst you were in the travel industry did you know of other people who had already done it before you started no but I did see when we'd made up our mind to do it I did see the movie The Way not long after that and right. that was that was yeah. just sort of I guess sort of the icing on the cake and the motivation to want to do the same thing okay now yeah. I noticed today you're wearing around your neck a um, clam yes can you tell us a little bit bit about that I, I know there is um a, a, it's a symbol of the Camino Trail that's right can you tell us a little bit about why it is a, a, um, a symbol sure so it's actually the scallop shell so what happens is uh, as a pilgrim back in the day that's how you would recognize a pilgrim and to this day that's still uh it's still the same way so people hang the the scallop shell on their day bag as right. they're walking or on their pack when they're walking along yeah and uh, as the story goes that when uh, St James's body was washed up or the coffin was washed up under the shores mm-hmm. um of Spain the whole uh, coffin was covered in scallop shells right so that's a symbol of of the pilgrim yeah right. so mm. so you'll find as people start the pilgrimage that they have are they given that at the start like as you start the journey is that given to you as you like or, or like so, part of your tour group for example do you supply yes that? we yeah. we provide the shells to okay. everybody who travels with us and if people are starting on their own or whatever wherever they they join there are places that would sell the scallop shells as well right yeah. okay yeah so, they're, they're dotted all over the camino in a very nice way okay yeah so the next thing i was going to ask is now I've I've actually had quite a few um, friends and uh, family do the Camino, um, and I'm interested. What's your opinion? Mm-hmm. Should you be in a group or solo travelling? Sure. What's the um... so I guess where I started from too with the wanting to share what I love mm-hmm. was offering um, an opportunity for people to come along and join as a group mm-hmm. because what I uh, noticed was that some people would want to do this but they're a little bit. Uh, fearful of doing it on their own, mm-hmm. um, but not just from a not just from a sort of a security point of view, but also from a, they want the camaraderie, they wanted other people to 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 share their experience with. So so I started that as um, and, and everything from 15 days to 50 days, in all honesty, um, right. depending on you know I have a lot of people that will do you know 800 kilometres with us, mm-hmm. um, but also I wanted to share my knowledge. So my knowledge is about
about some of the best places that I think you should stay or the path that you should take or what suits you, the distances. And so therefore I made self-guided options available. Yes. And there's a lot of people that either want to solo travellers do it on their own, uh, sometimes couples, sometimes families, all these people that want to experience the Camino and I, I help them work through what's best for them. And that's oh, that's, that's a part terrific. of what I get energised by, yes, you know, because is. sometimes, like I had a lady who phoned me about a year ago and said, I'm off to do three different Caminos, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And I said, oh, why are you doing it like that? And she said, I, I just want to get into Santiago on three different paths and I want to sort out my life. I said, you really need to do a whole Camino. Mm. Anyway, she, she went off and did that under my advice and I made all the arrangements for her, booked all the accommodation and I kept an eye on her from afar as in I could look at my phone and know what itineraries she was following. I shot her a note and this is one of those magic moments. She was two days out of Santiago and I just shot her a note and I said to her, I hope your Camino's going well and she just walked into a cafe and the Wi-Fi was on and she just saw my note and it brought her to tears. I didn't know this at the time. She shot a note back saying I'm having the time of my life. She'd gone about 820 kilometres at that stage. Wow. Then in two days time I had happened to be in Santiago. I didn't tell her. I went to the hotel. I'd already left a, a, um, some money at reception for a, a glass of wine, which she didn't know how that had happened. I came the following morning at breakfast time and I buzzed her and I said, would you like to come down? I'd love to meet you. And there she was. And she's like, oh my goodness, I've just had the most amazing time. So talking to people about it, I always say, if I'm not walking it, I want to be talking about it. And I do want to find what fits for that person, people. absolutely. So that brings me to my next question. Actually, I've had three. Fr- I've had three friends do the Camino. One actually did it. She could hop on and off a bus. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so she found that was better. She had a bit of a bad knee, so that that suited her better. Another friend of mine, she did the whole Camino. Now, is this right? If you sort of wanted to power along. Is it, does it take around about 32 days or what's your, what do you think is quite comfortable for 32 days is really powering. I uh, always yeah. recommend that, you, because you want to enjoy this, I always recommend yeah, having those rest days in yes. the key places, you know, whether that's Pamplona after getting over the Pyrenees, whether it's Lagrano right. down the road a bit further, Burgos, Leon, yeah. and just just slowing it down that little bit more. Sure. The other thing that I like to look at with, um, with people and their abilities, so if they physically cannot do a 25k day, then we we will transfer them. We'll do something to make that happen. I have what I call the leisurely way. So some people want to experience the Camino, the last 100 kilometres, but instead of powering through it in five days, I say, well, how how about we take nine or or ten walking days to do that so people can still experience it and get the enjoyment out of it without, you know, worried, you know, worrying themselves to death about doing 20 kilometres if they're just not capable. Sure. Hmm. Okay. So... um and now this question, this is um, might be a little bit ignorant of myself, but I just—it's not the only way. If you were if you were disabled, um, or if you uh, like cycling, can you cycle the Camino? You can cycle the Camino, um, and people can do that in like ten. 10 days, a lot of them. Right. The people that are that are true cyclists, they'll go up over the Pyrenees, which is a very challenging right. cycle over right. there, um, and they'll get all the way to Santiago in 10 cycling days, but right. they often break it up and have rest days as well. Okay. But they would average about 70k a day. Right. Okay. And they don't always go, it's not strictly on the path of the Camino, it's a little bit off on some of the B roads and stuff like that as well, so I you're w- not running over people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I wondered yeah. that, because I actually yeah. had seen The Way. I, yes. I've seen a, l- a little bit of The Way, I haven't watched it all. Um, and I noticed that some of the paths I didn't think lend themselves to, selves to cycles, cycling yes. or, or even wheelchairs. Or do, do you get people on, uh, with um, disabilities or in wheelchairs? 
We have there. There are actually some wheelchair caminos. So they go the last fifty. Yeah, the last fifty kilometres. There's been a few of those. I've actually seen them in the local papers. They're more local people that are doing that at the moment, and slowly the accommodation places are starting to cater right. to cater for that. Yes. Um, but one thing that I'm quite interested in because I see this as um, it's not just the walking. It's about the the stimulation, the the, uh, the whole benefits of being out in nature and all the, the headspace that you can get and in or out of journey is what I call it so that you're getting all that, that downtime and resetting your compass and that type of thing. I'm quite keen on um, professional development, leadership yeah. um, and other types of themed trips on the Camino with proper facilitators than actually bring people along on a different journey oh, that lends to the Camino as well as um, whatever whatever topic they're they're sort of focusing on so we've done quite a few uh leadership groups with right. youth and adult and okay. that type of thing and blended them together and that's that's been amazing to see young people grow yes each yeah. day right in front of your eyes I yeah? Can imagine, yeah um and it is a confidence building thing and you've got all that time to talk about stuff that you don't talk about over a coffee you know you yeah. and you also get your own time that's the other important thing you can just you can say to somebody, I just need a little bit of me time. You might have an hour or two just strolling along. Yeah. You know, you feel safe in that environment. You can't get lost unless you really are in a zone and you've missed an arrow and you're only temporarily misplaced yeah. anyway. Um, See, I think so. that would suit me. That I think I would it's like to travel in a group but, but still have a little bit of my own time. I mm. think that, that would really suit me from that, that point of view. A friend of mine, he travelled the Camino um, for different reasons for himself. He, he, he struggled addiction. He... Um, decided he wanted to do it he was also an artist and uh, he he some of the images he, he he's a photographer also and uh, some of the images he took were just beautiful but he told me of the accommodation that he would stay in would be quite um well how could i say uh he said he used to get to these places and are they like little um the dormitory the dorm- style yeah, yeah he yes. said dormitory okay. style rooms they were so he could have six people in a in a dormitory or or, or 260, actually, as as the movie. And look, what I think is fantastic is the Camino lends itself to so many options. So I think it's fantastic that they have dormitory-style accommodation, I would right. say, specifically for, for young people. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bit like a youth hostel set up, yes, you know, yeah, and, and you have to queue um, and you have to – you can only stay one night and all those types of things. Yeah, so that part so, didn't, didn't so, yeah, <laughs> interest me. Yeah. And it, it does – it works for some people, and I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. What I love is that um, we transfer luggage so you don't have to carry more than three or four kilos, you know, the water and stuff like that. Great. And yeah. we find the little rustic, unique places along the way. There's sometimes when you're in a larger town, you might have a more of a traditional hotel, you know, right, that's yeah. probably a little less interesting than some of the villages. Yeah. Um, however, we, we like to have something that little bit... Or per, yeah, yes, and, and yes. personal, always with private en suite, so you're not queuing Love for showers. And, and also, we have a lot of solo travellers. They want their own room, their own space, and have their own private private bathroom when they get in. They can just chill out after their walk. And That's what I wanted to yeah. know. So you're... So wandering the world really... The accommodation style is either like twin share, is it, or, or you can have your own room. Correct. And it's um, well, yeah, that's great to know that. And we also have a lot of people that are travelling together that want their own room yeah. as well because they they say, well, I snore or yeah. I get up in the middle of the night and they don't want to disrupt the other person, so they say, look, there's two of us travelling together, we want a room each. We say, no worries at all. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. So yeah. so and then you come along to all these different villages. So how many how many k's are you sort of doing per day? Do you allow? So in typically with one of our groups, if, um, excluding the, the one where I mentioned where we do the leisurely way where we might only do, you know, 12 k- kilometres a day, we're really 
averaging around about the 20 mark. Right. And in depending on what path, we might get up to 130k day in or 230k days in a 15. Uh, K walk, right. uh, sorry, 15 day walk. Um, but if people are doing the whole way, then um, and they're well prepared for this, and whether they're with us or whether they're doing it self guided through us, they will have at least two 30 kilometre days in that week. That's how the villages are spaced okay, yeah, in terms of accommodation. Okay. Whereas uh, in terms of stopping for a coffee, that's another thing because fairly uh, frequently on the French Camino Frances, mm-hmm. um, you will get a, uh, probably every f- between five and ten, but on the last stretch, definitely every few kilometres you'll have the luxury of a cup of coffee, but you might not have the luxury of accommodation in uh, some of the smaller villages. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Do your groups um, sort of supply a dinner altogether, yes. or yeah. is it sort of like you go off separately, or what's the So situation? we would normally have, well, we would have all dinners included, um, mm-hmm. and when I say included, uh, there's um, at the, the start and, the, and at the end we have a welcome and a farewell dinner that people actually pay for, because right. we'll um, separately, but the, all the rest of the dinners on the walking days are included. Right. Now, with our self-guided, I say to people, look, um, I can see that you're an experienced traveller and you are going 800 kilometres. I would suggest something like 20 dinners in that mix because okay. I don't want you stranded on like a Sunday or a Monday night in a small village or I don't want you stranded somewhere that's just off the Camino, which is a beautiful spot to stay, right. but you need to have the dinner included so the people are going to prepare that for you. Okay. And, of course, the other benefit is it always comes with wine. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and benefit. I think some people travel, travel the Camino just for that. <laughs> do you know that was that was going to be one of my questions too? Do you ever do you ever have a situation where you've had a great night? Everybody's had a really great night, but they just don't feel like walking the next day, and it was planned. Like because that, that would yeah. probably happen. Well, no uh, there's ju- just occasionally I can see people looking a little dusty, like that, uh, but yeah. they've normally done that after a, something like a week, and they've built their confidence is built, and they think, oh, you know, and we've got into a place a little early, and they've had one of the most amazing gin and tonics in the yeah. world, and and a couple too many over dinner, and I look and go, oh, gee, you might be feeling it a bit in the morning, but nobody's ever not got up, really? I have to exactly say. Right. And of course, you know, you are walking it off, so, you know, after you, you get up the road a little bit and you've had um, a bit of tortilla and yeah. and another cup of coffee and that, and people usually spark bit, up. But I have seen a couple feeling, you know... A bit shady. A bit, bit shady, <laughs> yes, definitely. Fair enough. Now, also, it's a, I, I believe it's a very emotional experience sometimes uh, walking the Camino. Um, in, your, in, in all your journeys... And, uh, and travel through life. What's been the most emotional uh, journey for you? Gee, uh, that, that is a tough one um, because there's so many, so many. Um, but I think I, I'd have to go through or go back to the life-changing Camino right? because um, so I had the very first night that um, I walked out of St. Jean and we stayed on the top of the Pyrenees and um, there was about 30 of us in the room mm-hmm. having dinner and the lady who who um, had served us all came out and sort of just hit the glass and said, I'd like everybody to stand up and go around the room and say why you're doing the Camino. Obviously, everybody in that room would be going to Santiago because, you know, we're, we're day one. And there was a room of people but one woman got up and she said, I'm doing it for the second time. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, are you serious? Why would you? Wow, <laughs> and, yeah. and I laugh at myself now because I've done 22. And I'm thinking, say, I'm, you, you can never yeah. stop at one. But at wow. the time, I thought, you must be mad. Anyway, there was we went around the room and there was one guy who would have been in his 70s, I would say. And, and mind you, people in their 70s, I find, are fitter than people in their 50s. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And he was Korean. He stood up. And I could see that he was struggling a little bit, um, obviously, with the language. And... 
he's you say Korean? He's Korean. Korean. Yeah, oh, right. Korean guy. Yeah. And he all of a sudden just started singing. This most beautiful opera type voice. And nobody could understand one word he said, but there was not one dry eye in the house. And for me, that was like, I'm, on, I'm a part of something really special here. And you bump into those people sometimes the next day, sometimes three days later, whatever. And people talk about the Camino family, and that's that really typified that. It's just, I don't know. You, you it's, can't buy those experiences. You just can't. You just no. can't make them happen. They, they just, they just. That's what travelling's all about. Is is um, absolutely those sort of experiences. Yes. Gee, that's incredible. So that really gets me in the heart every time. Okay. Okay. So, um, also. Uh, What's, what's the most enjoyable destination other than the Camino? Because mm-hmm. obviously the Camino is, is very close to your heart. But what's, yeah. what, what are other, like, your most enjoyable other than the Camino? Well, gee, I, I mean, I've spent a year in Africa. I've spent a year in South America. Um, God, there's so many incredible places. I always thought Jordan was one of the most picture, uh, sorry, one of the most interesting places. And Jordan, yeah. Jordan yeah. and... Um, Norway, one of the most picturesque mm. places in the world. Ooh. Have you have you actually all the, all the um, all the different walks you offer on on wandering the world? Have you actually done them all, or are there some that you still haven't done as yet? You just haven't had a chance. To so get the only one that I haven't no two I haven't done yeah. actually, and I'm coast to coast, which mm-hmm. I'm doing next year. That's already booked in with a group, but we've had wandering the world people and and um, other escorts in Wandering the World that have taken groups. Okay. Um, and I've done a lot in Japan. I just love Japan, and I'm going back there this year. For, I think it must be my seventh trip to Japan, okay. and I'm doing the Kamano Kodo this time. I've done Shikoku Island a few times. So How long does that take? It's do? a nine-day nine nine day. Day trick, yeah, and a walk. A walk, yeah. okay. Mm. And what's the, um, what's the average age? Uh, do you find... With with is, are there a lot of like is it more female based your do you have men and women or what's so, the um, average client clientele? Yeah, so we're a lot in their sixties, mm-hmm. um, some in their seventies have inspired me, right. and we have that's a lot great. of solo travellers. We have families, we have couples, we have a real mix, and that's a great thing. That's yeah. the beauty of it. We have a lovely blend, and I've had as many as five different nationalities on one trip. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. and yeah. and, and how do they all oh. Mix? Incredibly so, yeah. and so what we I go to that many reunions now. This is the this oh, is the most you, amazing thing. You spend your life doing. I do, I do. <laughs> I, I, I only had terrific. one last weekend, yeah. Um, yeah. and we've had people that come over from Perth, and we've had people come over from uh, New Zealand and the US, and that just to catch up. We've had somebody drive from Queensland for one of our reunions when, when we did the Juro Valley. Do, amazing. Do, do you find do you find with um, the different groups? Say you get a group that really clicks. Do you find that they rebook just as a group again because they've just enjoyed each other's company? Absolutely, Does that happen too? Yeah, absolutely. I it might. And and I, all I all I have to say is, oh, Heather's coming on the next one. Like, oh, okay, we're coming Man. too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's terrific. Now, some yeah. solo travel hacks. Um, is there anything you've learnt by travelling? Um, travelling solo that mm-hmm. that you can sh- you'd like to share with us? Well, I did a lot of yeah. travelling solo um, back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really yeah. pleased to know that things have evolved since then. I, yeah. I was probably wasn't the brightest thing to do to go off to Egypt on my own in, back in the eighties and travel into Turkey and and think that everything was okay. But anyway, it was. Uh, look, I think the great thing about today's world is with solo travellers is there's so many people travelling alone. Um, 
if you can do things on your own, you mm-hmm. just got to be aware, like you do with you, with a couple or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the great thing is that solo travellers tend to to gravitate towards group trips, and then they become best friends for life. Yeah. And that's really yeah. fantastic. I, I often get people saying to me, "Look, I am a solo traveller. Are there any other solo travellers on this particular?" trip or this in this group or whatever and like I said the first one to um, start the dinner party happening when you get back to Australia to say okay all you people we've had such an amazing time and you know they're more open I think solo people are also more open to meeting people because that's what they want to do that's what they're traveling for too to meet others exactly right no and and I think also you know to, to also have that freedom if they don't want to do something with a group or it's nice that's what I think um, is attractive about solo travelling. You don't have to feel, you know, compelled to do things yeah. um, with, with people too, So, which is great. That's right. And I also see my role when I'm escorting the trips and our other Wandering the World escorts as well is to, to bring the solo travellers into the fold mm-hmm. um, with each other and with the rest of the group, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I, I it's really create that teamwork. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's so emotional is when you're doing the walk and you're going to San Diego is everybody's a part of that. Everyone's urging each other on, supporting each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are tears at the end and the oh. more tears when they're saying goodbye to each yeah, other. Um, yeah. it, it, it's so rewarding. That's terrific. Um, what's been the most humorous time that you've had where you've just thought, oh my God, I humorous. can't believe this is happening? <laughs> well, I think it's probably when I first left Australia and went to Japan and seriously, I, when I look back at the photos, I look like I was about 12 and uh, I'm thinking... I don't, like I said, I don't know what the travel agent was thinking, um, but but I appreciate that that experience very much. So my friend and I get to Japan and we start travelling outside Japan. We end up in this very 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 small 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 village, and um, we've gone into this uh, little restaurant, and we can look around and see uh, no menu. Uh, we can smell food. Um, and a woman comes out and she looks at us and we managed to order a beer. We thought that was good. And um, then she comes out and looks at us again. I'm thinking, okay, we know we, okay we've got to order food. There's nothing. Okay, so we start doing the chicken dance. And so we just do this flapping. And the next thing you know, out comes this amazing chicken dish, uh, oh, yakitori, I think it was. And so... Yeah, I, I just... That's how you I, communicate. <laughs> the thing, and the thing about Japan, like, you know, for 250 years nobody went in or out of that country. I just yeah. think it's so unique. Yeah. It's such a special experience. The people are beautiful, wonderful, They're so hospitable. And in fact, in that, that particular restaurant, well, like I said, we did look like we were very young kids. Uh, there was a guy at the bar who sent a bottle of beer over to us yeah. and just bowed and left. And that, that I, I wish I could find him today to say, yeah. you don't realise what an impact that, that had on us, on young people leaving to travel the world yeah. and wondering if we're, you know, what other people in the world are doing and thinking when they look at us and to have that sort of hospitality. And so the hospitality of starting in Japan was amazing. Isn't that true? And they're still like that today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you do um, any any walks? Um, obviously, springtime over there is very popular. Are yes. there any walks around that area in, in where, where all the blossom is? And Absolutely, there are. We tr- we, yeah. Yes, there are. But we tend to try and move away from the blossom time a little bit. Like Shikoku yeah. Island is fantastic. And, of course, with today's seasons, yeah. you actually get a bit of the blossom even if you're there early. Right. Yeah, right. which okay. is great. Oh, very good. Um, now, also, um, what does what are your top top three most popular tours for wandering the world? Mm-hmm. What are the three most that everybody's wanting to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a, certainly the Portugal uh, coastal Camino, yeah. and I think yeah. that's around people discovering Portugal nowadays. I mean, for for years, people didn't sort of get 
that far across Europe. They would get into maybe Madrid or whatever, but it's become very popular. Um, and you get to the benefit of having Portugal and Spain in the same Camino. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, well, Italy has become very popular for us. Um, right. Japan is hugely popular. Yeah. And, well, actually, just to throw a fourth one in, we're doing a lot in England with the coast to coast in Scotland with the West Highland Way. Is that right? Yeah. How about Iceland? Oh, I, I that is I was on your something website else. Iceland. Looks, there, there was a picture. Um, the, that's the other thing. Your images on your, your website are just beautiful. And um, one of the images that stands out to me is the image of the people look tiny and this massive big waterfall and it just looks gorgeous and I, I recently a girlfriend of mine lives in um, Copenhagen and she said to me um, she, she lives there, she's an Aussie um, but she um, has lived there for the last 20 odd years and she gets over to America a lot to work and she said to me I had to go via um, Iceland and she said um, we got stuck there, the weather was, wasn't good for a couple of days and, and the, the airlines were put out and she said so I'd never been to Iceland and she said I didn't want to leave she said oh. we, we were stuck there for a couple of days and had a really good look around and she said I, for the first time she travels the world, she said I, I felt that I was um, so far away, she said I've never felt so far away before yeah. but she said it was just an amazing place and she really recommended it and, so, and when I saw it on your website I thought gee it would be interesting yeah. to hear your your take on it. I absolutely loved it. I went there a couple of years ago and um, I, it is such a hidden gem. Right? So I, I think they got it wrong. Iceland should have been called Greenland and Greenland should have been called Iceland. Is that it's right? so green. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, once you get out of Reykjavik, the capital, um, I mean, the further you go, you just it's just natural beauty this 3000 year old moss you can't believe how gorgeous that green is there's lovely walking to do to the do there um, and the other thing in the icelandic people very Oh, very unique in their own way. You know, they still believe in elves. I just find that really neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. gorgeous people and they're so proud of their country and the like I said the just the natural beauty of that is is quite incredible. And how long do that like, your tours go uh, your walking tours go there? We're like, doing a 14 day trip. 14 days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, the other thing is for you, you you just touching back on the Camino again. Um, you mentioned you've done 22 so far. Mm. How often do you sort of get back over like do you do that every year or are you doing that like how often are you doing so every year I go and spend six or seven months out of Australia and this year in particular I've got got six weeks in Japan on the way home but I spend all that time out of Australia and I'm doing various Caminos so I'm probably doing around about um, 12 to 1400 Camino kilometres on the Camino each year sometimes more Um, this year I'm also doing a thousand kilometres on Grand San Bernardo to Rome yeah and so that's that makes up another. That's incredible. Another do you few. walk every day? Like in general, if you're home, home here in Melbourne, do you usually walk? Every I do, day? but nowhere near Not as like much as over there. So I have this really bad pattern in some ways. So I yeah. come home and I have too much Christmas <laughs> pudding and goodness knows what. I got to get out of that. get out of the fitness. Oh, it's amazing yeah. how quickly you lose that fitness. Yeah, when I come home, I'm flying. You know, like yeah. it's like oh, I've never. I've, I've the happiest I am and the fittest I am is on the Camino. Yeah. So I've got to go back and train again. So I'm. In training at the moment, it kind of sounds funny, but you know that Christmas period is a bit hard to train through, and you've got to have some downtime. You've got to let the body repair as well. I think that's True. important. Yeah. Uh, so now it's back on the track now. So I think I think with um, with any any I love walking myself, and I think with any walking, I try and walk every day. 
and there's sometimes I know you know I'll be freezing cold outside and I'll be sitting there on the computer and, I, and I'm very passionate about my work so I love working too and I sometimes have to drag myself out for a walk and yeah. then once I get out there I think why didn't I yeah, why didn't I do this you know I should be doing this again this afternoon because yeah. I think when you're walking it just I get that many ideas when I go walking. Um, it, it can be an emotional time too. Sometimes yes. you might have had something go on and you're not thinking about it, but on a walk you can think about it. And, um, and you know, it's. It, I think I, I can see why walking is a very popular sport, I suppose you could call it, but also pastime. Um, now, we also, just another quick question I had for you is... Um, it's more of a travel industry question. In your opinion, what can um, you see in the industry um, with hotels or tour- uh, tourism operators? What could they be um, doing better in the industry? Actually, a very simple one, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I tell what? you, customer service. Yeah. Dear, oh dear. You Is know, that we've worldwide? lost. Worldwide? I, I absolutely worldwide. Yeah. I think yeah. we've lost our way a bit with customer service, mm-hmm. just generally speaking. Yeah. Like, I find that people are always saying to me, Oh, thank you for getting back to me so promptly and thank you for taking the time and the care and oh you phoned me yeah. all those sorts of things yeah. and that's where I get my pleasure too it's a bit like what I say if I don't if I'm not walking I prefer to be talking about it yeah. but we're, we're not doing enough and we're not putting enough smiles on the dials I did notice where we were today here people were smiling downstairs that's yeah. lovely yeah. when when somebody comes to find their room for the night or whatever you want a warm welcome yeah exactly gee exactly. i think we could do that much better and and same with in the travel industry with all of our clients i understand that anyone that goes on holiday it's got to be a trip of a lifetime even if they're going to lay on a beach somewhere it yeah, doesn't matter totally you've agree. waited for months weeks or whatever for this special time your own downtime you want it to be great and the whole booking experience and everything should be great as well and we need to care for people and care for their experience so yeah. that would be be my number one customer service uh, and, and as you say that personal touch is still so important a lot of it's a lot of automated um automated systems today even in hotels there can be a lot of automated systems and i think people do just like to be able to see that that face at the mm. end of their journey especially if you've traveled all day or you know for a couple of days to get somewhere um, it is it's important to have that one in anything as you say in anything it could be the hotel it could be a booking experience um, a lot of people like to have that conversation especially when they're yep. spending big money too on a trip they like Absolutely. to have that and so obviously in your business you're speaking before about um, you know you talk to your clients and, and know that you have staff there that are all very similar to yourself that have experienced the, the tours they can speak to people um, in your in your business about different tours they want to do rather than just email or it's all also first hand yeah is it's great. very first hand yeah. and look I have I have so many lovely telephone conversations and experiences with people that I never or even emails without even telephone conversation and I never meet them mm. right mm-hmm. um, and I know from that Andrea that lives in Boston who took her son who was turning 21 and she was turning 50 on the Camino for a week and I feel like I was there and she and I, when she's finished she tells me about that and, and you know I've got her in the hotel that suits her and the son and that type of thing and I've got somebody that's going at the end of this year a mother and daughter there's a lot of that family yeah, yeah. stuff happening yeah. to And, you know, the mother's saying, I want this to be right for the daughter, so how do you think we can do this? And then somebody might have a special dietary requirement, so therefore we make sure that we put them in the places that can cater for that. And just one other thing that happened on one of my trips that, again, so lovely is um, I had uh, a 73-year-old 
uh, father with a 55-year-old daughter. Yeah. And she said to me two days before we finished walking the 15 kilometres, she said, Glenice, I'm just going to tell you now that I'm not going to be able to speak in Santiago, but I just want to tell you what an amazing time it was. She said, oh. I could never could have believed I could do this with my father and you've made it possible and all that sort of stuff. And, and then everybody's yeah. hugging and, you know, oh, I mean, so... beautiful. Yeah. Who's the, what's the eldest person the eldest. you've ever had? Yeah, 75. 75. And the youngest is eight now. The, the eight. Yes, okay. so we had a family, a fantastic family group, yeah. um, 11 of us in total, and eight, 10 and 12-year-old girls. They were amazing. Is that right? Gee, yes. that could have gone the other way too. But yes, so sounds, it always, yes. Yeah. I always say that with with anybody, it doesn't matter whether you're adults or children, you've got to want to walk. So yes. if you had children that really don't want to walk, I wouldn't advise. <gasps> Absolutely. <laughs> I would say it, it could be the worst holiday of your life, <laughs> not, the, not the trip of a lifetime. No, but, but these three girls were amazing. Yeah, like uh, they were fit. Um, they played a lot of sport. And the mother of those three girls who was on the trip, she contributes the, the middle girls. Um, she got a scholarship when she came back to the confidence she grew on the Camino. Right. And you can see it. Right. And they learn a bit of language and they do this. And, they, you know, the youngest one said, I can't wait to see the animals. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we're in the wrong country. But we managed to find every insect, every domestic oh. pet, everything in the field that you can possibly imagine what between Surrey and Santiago. What a lovely thing to um, experience as a family. Oh, you know, totally. And to see it through Kitty's eyes for yeah. me, I went along on that because yeah. I wasn't going to miss out. Yeah. It was amazing yeah. to watch them yeah, and, right. and just see things at a completely different level, even like the animal thing. Like, you know, the how nice is that? You just stand around petting a dog for 20 minutes instead yeah. of rushing off. It's fantastic. But, but not only that, just to get away from those bloody mobile phones. <laughs> like for the kids and the families to disconnect from that. That's right. No technology. What a great yeah. time to disconnect. Yes. You know, I think that that's a great... I could talk to you all day because that, <laughs> that is one thing. I'd love to have you back and talk about a few other things. Well, you'll have to come with me. Yeah. We can do this live. Well, we could. From, you know, we can... Do a live Skype I'm sure. from I'm, we'll San Diego. Make a pack. I'm going to yeah, make yeah. a pact with you. We will. We will. Um, just one last question before we finish. What do the next five years look like for Glen East Johnson? Well, the next five years, I'm hoping that the next five look the same as the 15 because I'm inspired by the people in their 70s. I'll be in my 70s um, in 15 years' time. And I want to, I want to do more exploring, I guess right. I would call it. So I'll be yeah. opening up different parts of um, Eastern Europe and that type of thing and oh, walking okay. to walking other places that I'm really interested in, Wales, you know, all sorts of, not as in the Wales as in the ocean. <laughs> Wales, um, I believe there's a beautiful track there. So I want to do more walking mm-hmm. uh, again, less working, and I want to share so much of what I um, set out to do with so many people that have been a part of the last five years of wandering the world. Oh, it just sounds yeah. wonderful. Your details to your uh, business, Wandering the World? Yeah. So we're at www.wanderingtheworld.com.au. Yeah. And your phone number? Is 0402 Love to hear from you. Anybody who wants to walk and talk, give us a shout. Terrific. Well, Glenice, thank you so much for joining us and, and coming here today. Um, and thank you to the Pan Pacific Melbourne. They've been fantastic. We've got this beautiful little space here again in the uh, Pacific Lounge. And uh, and thank you, Glenice. And as I said, we'd love to have you back and have a chat. So my so pleasure. That'd be terrific. Well, I'm your host, Jacinta Phelan from I'll Meet You in the Lobby. And thank you once again to all our listeners. And we look forward to speaking to you next time. I'll Meet You in the Lobby is proudly brought to you by 5 Degrees.
Australia's number one experts in measuring and improving sales and customer service for its clients. Contact Simon on 0407 002 113 or shoot Simon an email at simon.blair at 5degrees.com.au and find out how you can improve your customer experience.